entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good for this long, this hood, for this pop, this high, for uh -huh, this high, yeah. uh -huh, yeah. It's a 2021 time. Oh, man. DBB's around. We're back. It's a new year. We're doing new things a little different to kick it off. New season, too, right? Season new two. Season. So it's only right we got Cousin Yates in the building. Cousin Yates? Is it Yates squared today, bro? You're an honorary Yates. Oh, I'm an honorary Yates today. Yeah, you might as well be. Hey, okay. Okay. <laughs> for those that don't know. Okay. <laughs> the fantasy god himself. NFL okay, yeah. guy. And he's a low-key NBA fan that people people don't know this about you. But we're gonna change that today because it can only stay low-key for so long. Now we're announcing it to the public that in my alter ego mentality, I'm Woj's steps on or something. I, I mean, maybe not. That's right. I got a couple of thoughts. I got some NBA takes. So I love actually, you know, I think probably what it what it stems from. So I feel like it's not that I will ever not love football. But when every time you're watching a football game, you have to be thinking about the, the, the business side of it. I'm not, I'm not talking about like the NFL business. I'm saying like my own business, like how are you going to analyze it? How are you going to break it down? What's the next angle to it? It's just different. Whereas when I'm watching the NBA, I can have thoughts that are rational, maybe irrational, but no one's holding me accountable, right? If I say something dumb about like, I'm just making one. If I said, hey, the Bucs are going to miss the playoffs this year, it's not like anybody cares because I'm a football guy. Yeah, it's like, what do you know about that? Yeah, what do you know, right? So I can go a little more aggressively on the NBA opinions than I do on the football opinions, where I got to be a little more measured and, and reasonable because it's part of my job. All right, well, we'll, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the hoops in a second, but since the NFL season is done, you know, fantasy for the most part is done. Yeah. I don't know if people do the whole football playoff fantasy aspect but we saw a crazy year from the running back position and mainly Derrick Henry yeah he ran yeah, for it turns out, yeah it turns out the only guy that was sort of worth it in the first round not the only guy but we spent all offseason trying to figure out who deserves to go number one and the answer pretty quickly became Christian McCaffrey after what he did last year second greatest fantasy season ever and then it was Who's the debate for number two? Is it Saquon Barkley? Is it Ezekiel Elliott? What's the next tier? Then you had two guys, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, who are both eligible for and looking for a new contract. And those weren't done up until like three days before the season began. So everybody kind of pushed them a little bit further back in their mock draft order. And then Clyde edwards Lair gets drafted in the first round by the Chiefs. And you think to yourself, Really good player at LSU. He could be bad and still score 10 times for the Chiefs. And then nobody paid enough attention to Derrick Henry. We all said, you know what? He can't do it again. He can't repeat it. He can't be that dominant. Doesn't catch the ball enough. Yada, yada, yada. And as you said, 2,000 yards. 2,000 yards, rushing title again. 15 rushing touchdowns plus again. 
The guy had three separate games this year with 200 plus rushing yards. It turns out that, well, I think there probably is a case for Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook as the best player in fantasy football this year. Like we just totally overlooked Derrick Henry once again. And if we haven't learned our lesson by now, that we don't deserve to win next year. <laughs> Do you also, so here's another question for you based off that answer. Do you believe that because of the shortened off season, the limited off season, that the run game was just easier to be more effective because with the past game, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot more moving pieces and that's harder to get on the same page without a full off season. Yeah. Part of me thinks that. And then part of me also thinks, well, Stefan Diggs in his first year with the bills becomes the first Buffalo Bills player to ever lead the NFL in catches or receiving yards. He did it in both. So I'm having a hard time processing why we maybe overlooked Derrick Henry. The only thought that I have is that, so running back has proven to be the most replaceable position in the NFL. You can find guys that are, you know, not drafted in the first round, not drafted at all. That can be really good. You can also sign players, cut players, trade for players, whatever. Like, a guy like Raheem Mostert, who was for the second half of last year, meaning 2019 plus the playoffs, was like the best offensive player in the 49ers. He was unbelievable. He'd been cut like seven times. Because the position itself is so replaceable, we maybe mitigate the accomplishments of even the best of the best. And Derrick Henry, I'm not saying that the Titans couldn't be successful without him. I think he is the most difficult running back to replace in the NFL. Maybe not necessarily the best, but the most difficult to replace because he's just not like any of the rest of them. I mean, he's like probably 60 pounds heavier than some other starting running backs in the NFL, like 60 pounds. Like it's one bit to be 10, 15 pounds heavier. Like he's just, he's built different. I know that's like a commonly used phrase now, but Derrick Henry is quite literally built different. Yeah, he's he's different for sure. And it's funny that you said about, um, you know, you mentioned being replaced. We saw Stefan Diggs go from Minnesota to Buffalo and he got, I guess, replaced by yep. Justin Jefferson. Did you see this type of season coming from him from a fantasy standpoint? So it's funny. And trust me, there are about a thousand things that I missed during the preseason. But during the preseason, <laughs> I made an argument that I think Justin Jefferson has the clearest path to fantasy relevance amongst the wide receivers. I missed though on this one. I didn't say he'd be a fantasy superstar. I was just like, hey, he might be able to be a flex for you some weeks or something like that because so many wide receivers, especially uh, in honestly first round wide receivers have had a tough time assimilating to the NFL from fantasy from a fantasy perspective. I thought he had a chance only because A, you know, not like he's a slouch. He was the 21st pick in the draft, and he was crazy good at LSU. B, they had an obvious need. You trade Stephon Diggs, you, you need a number two wide receiver or a co-number one wide receiver with Adam Thielen. And Kirk Cousins is, listen, he's not great, but Kirk Cousins, he's orchestrated enough 4,000-yard seasons for me to know that he can, he, can, he can pass the ball around enough. Like, it's not like they're going to be playing in a, you know, we saw some offenses this year, the Jets, the Patriots, the, that were just not efficient or useful at all through the air. So um, I felt because of those reasons, there was a chance, but to think he was going to be this good. No, I mean, literally the, I guess I consider it the most receiving yards by a player in NFL history. Cause I'm looking at the modern era, but the second most ever by a rookie. I mean, the guy was just crazy to break all the numbers, all the records. Like I was always thinking like, 
anytime you're in the same sentence as Randy Moss as a wide receiver is like generally speaking a good thing. And he broke a ton of Randy's records in Minnesota, which as we know, when Randy came into the NFL, it took him five minutes to become one of the best players in the league. It's <laughs> a fact. That's a fact. Definitely. A so, fan. so with the, the season's done now, if I'm going into draft next year and I had the 10th pick, I blew it. I had okay. the 10th pick this year. So we got the double back to back, you know, in our league, we have two points for every 10 yards receiving as okay. opposed oh. to one point. So, you know, it kind of evens out the, the field for, for the backs that can catch. So I foolishly, like you said earlier with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like, oh, he's, he's going to score about 10 touchdowns in a high octane offense. So I take Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Travis Kelsey. Should I change my thought process moving forward? Like, what should I do to make sure I'm at least relevant when it's time for the fantasy playoffs? So I love, by the way, Kelsey might have been like, he actually might have been the most valuable player in fantasy this year. If you factor in what position he plays, where he was drafted, just how consistent he was, he was unbelievable. I think the lesson learned from Clyde Edwards Elaire is probably, so it's hard. I can't tell you like fade running backs that haven't played in the NFL before because. A couple of years ago, Saquon Barkley had this unbelievable year. It took him a while this season, but Jonathan Taylor became the Colts rookie running back, became the third rookie running back ever. I'm sorry, the eighth rookie running back ever, but still not a huge number of guys. A thousand yards, 10 plus rushing touchdowns and five yards per carry. So there are guys that right away hit big as running backs. But that being said, I would say that like Clyde Edwards-Elair, was an awesome pass catcher in college, not a great power goal line runner. And what we probably couldn't predict would be all the different stuff the Chiefs have done, right? I mean, the Chiefs this year on the goal line have thrown to an offensive tackle. They've had Travis Kelsey throw a pass to some to a fullback, right? Like they've done some wild and crazy stuff. I would say the lesson is maybe that like Actually, the lesson is, and this is something some that applies to somebody like me who plays in too many leagues, <laughs> always like diversify your portfolio a little bit. What I mean is like, if you take Clyde Edwards, if you play in 10 leagues, even if he's there in a spot you like 10 different times, like don't take the same player over and over and over again. The good is when you take Stephon Diggs 10 times and he hits big for you. The bad is when you have, you know, Joe Mixon in six leagues and he gets hurt in week five or six, he doesn't play again. So Looking ahead to next year, I think Edwards, Clyde Edwards will be better, obviously, than he was this year. But the Chiefs are always going to have so many dudes that can catch the football that they may never have 15 rushing touchdowns from the 10-yard line and in in a given season. I also got to ask you about Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett's single – and me, me and Yates both had Tyler Lockett on our fantasy teams this year. Tyler Lockett single-handedly fucked me over week after week after week. What went on with Tyler Lockett this year? Like, literally what went on? So, obviously, you guys both remember Chris Johnson, the great running back for the Titans and bounced around the league for a while. He used to, almost every year, end up with, like, top 10 or 12 running back production. Every year, he'd finish in the top 10 or 12 because he always played – and he'd have like five really good games. Then he'd have like eight games that were terrible. And then three games that were kind of in between. That's kind of what Tyler Lockett reminds me of this year. Because every season he's going to finish at the end of the year. It's like a top 20 wide receiver in terms of scoring. And you're going to say, oh, I can take that guy as a top 20 wide receiver again this year. And he's going to have that one game like he did on Thursday night this year against Arizona. <laughs> 53.1 points. 
And then there was a time, and I think this ended uh, in week 17, obviously, but from like week 12 to 16, or maybe it was week 10 to 16, he was like a top 30 wide receiver once. He is obviously really good. That offense is a little weird sometimes. Some weeks they're super pass heavy. Some weeks they're super run heavy. But I'm at the point now where with Tyler Lockett, I'm not out of the business of Tyler Lockett because at some point he's worth taking. But because we've seen this now year after year after year where he is the Jekyll and Hyde wide receiver that I prefer not to have him as a wide receiver that I'm counting on every single week. The good is going to be there. And he had, it. I think it was the Seahawks record for catches in a single season. He had 10 receiving touchdowns, but I am not getting there to the point where I'm going to take him, whatever, 20 wide receiver, 15 on the board. and one of my top two wide receivers. Yes. He, he blew it for me. (laughs) Yeah. Like like he blew it for me. Like I had him and I had Chris Carson because I'm like, all right, you know, given how things fell, I like, I like my core. And then Chris Carson does his normal thing, getting hurt, getting nicked up. And then, like you said, Tyler Lockett is super inconsistent. I ended up having to go and I rode the the Travis Fogum wave. Like (laughs) the Eagles are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I rode the Travis Fogel wave, and I want to know what you think of what's going on in Philly with, like, Tank Gate. Like, yeah, is that it. really a big deal? So I think that it's appropriate to, like, it's, it is a big deal in some ways, and there are other ways where it's not. I think the other ways are probably easy to discuss, right? I mean, in Week 17, we saw a variety of teams that were playing guys you don't see as much of during the course of the year, like, at the end of the season, trying to develop some of your young player is not a sin. It's not a crime, right? That's something you should do in some ways. That being said, the part that is most difficult to understand, and I'm not breaking any ground here, is that Jalen Hurts might be the guy in Philly. He might be. He also had, up to that point, three and a half games of experience, right? I mean, three and a half total games, period, as a starter, Like, don't you think if you're about to make a decision as big as trading away Carson Wentz is, because there's a huge financial implication would be, don't you think that if you were to, um, like, you'd want four games minimum, you'd prefer 10 games with Jalen Hurts to figure it out. It just feels like it's such an important, valuable part of it. Um, So I think that we all know it got a little bit overblown because of the fact that it was played in the Sunday night football game. And it's the only game we're all watching. And if this gets hidden because it's played at one o'clock and it's only showed in, you know, one sixth of the markets of the country, no one's talking about it in the same way that we were, but I wish the Eagles, like here's the only thing I wish I could tell the Eagles to have done from the first place is I understand that it got reported through sourcing and stuff like that, but I wish Doug Peterson had been a little bit more transparent about it leading up to, into the game. Like if he had just said, Hey, you know what guys, like we're going to play Nate, like he's earned it. He's, he's uh, not somebody that is going to probably be our starter, but we have a decision potentially this off season. If we might have absolutely partner guy that can be the number two around here. So my reaction during the, the game was to try not to like blow a gasket on it. It's a bad look at the same time. Like I think the Eagles hate has probably gone a little bit too far in some ways, but they're an easy team to pick on because they have been so frustrating and maddening in recent seasons. 
that guy over there, that Billy guy, <laughs> he doesn't know how to take this right now because one hand he's like, oh, I wanted to see a full thing of Jalen Hurts. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, we kind of got the six pick now. Well, I mean, and that's going to be one of those things that it's, it's the one last thing I should have said is, you know, all they kind of had to do if you're Philly, I wonder if they're sitting there saying to themselves at some point during the week, probably Monday, well, they've already played them before, but on Monday of that week, when they start their game plan, everything is built around slowing down Chase Young, right? Chase Young ended up in DC because the Giants beat Washington in a meaningless game in 2019, right at the end of the season. So Philly's probably sitting there like, you know, we could win this game potentially, get the ninth seed. And not that there is a Chase Young player available, and especially at pick six. You have no idea who's going to be available at pick six. But if you think going into the draft that there is a potential difference between six and nine, maybe it's, if nothing else, it's like, hey, the closer you are to pick one, the better the player that you're drafting should be, right? On paper, that, that's how this stuff works. So I sort of get it from that point. I've been a little bit conflicted myself, honestly, because I've, I've, I've resisted wanting to just right in the middle of the game, just take the Eagles to, you know, to task on Twitter or something. Um, but that was a, it was surprising. And, you know, the hard part is just like, it's, it's the end of the season. Like it's, it's all that Phil is going to talk about for a while now for a few months, which it's good for radio and podcasting, but it might not be that much fun if you're the Eagles for the next couple of months to hear about whether you should or should not have played your best guys in that week 17 game. So Phil, here's my question to you. So I am a diehard Eagles fan and I've had, uh, I've had, I've had, um, gosh, why can't I think of our GM's name right now off the top of my head? Howie Roseman. So yep. Howie Roseman is our GM. He's been our GM for years now. He's had his ups and downs. He is a, a wizard with the cap. But when we're talking about determining college talent and how it's going to transition into the NFL, he seems to struggle. Now, I know your background of being an NFL scout and working with the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. How does that process work necessarily? Because to me, it seems like the hierarchy should be, I have, I'm the GM, I have um, a bevy of scouts, and they are relaying information to me that they have consumed um, because they've seen all these players firsthand. And then I'm trusting them that they are doing their job because I hired them to do that job. And I'm going to take that information and use it and make the best possible decision. I, I just don't understand how time and time again, he keeps missing. And I'm not talking about Jalen Rager because I think Jalen Rager could be a good player. But the fact that Brandon Graham and Carson Wentz are the only two pro bowlers that we have on our team since 2014 or whatever it is, just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the draft is a tricky one because the draft is like kind of, it's not like there's a lot of interpretation, right? <laughs> you as the GM have those names sort of assigned to you. And if they don't perform well, then it's in some people's eyes, a direct reflection of you. Um, it is definitely like more of an art than a science. I, I totally would concede that. And it is, you know, again, back to why the Eagles may have wanted to go towards pick six is that <laughs> we presume because there are 32 first round picks every year, that there are 32 really good talents. I think the reality is that each year, there's probably somewhere between like eight and 14 guys, and that's a rough estimate only, that going into the draft, 
you truly feel like you're a, a, a you know a class above. Every draft will produce way more than eight to fourteen really good players, but many of them will come from the third, the fourth, the seventh round. You'll have undrafted free agents that are good players, like James Robinson this past year. Uh, it's frustrating. You know, I always think that with the uh, the GM stuff is that because a lot of people are wondering, like, you know, where's the process issue, and is it the coaching, is it the scouting? You know, I, and who has the final say, who doesn't? I always laugh at that stuff a little bit only because, like, this it's hard to think of a direct example that's not football related or sports related. But ultimately, like, does it matter who has, like, when, when the Warriors are winning all those championships, were we talking about, like, who had final say? No, it's just like, do your, do your two operations, does the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain work well together? Philly's got to be better in the draft. And, you know, this sixth pick, you know, it's a little bit weird to call something that hasn't happened and won't happen for, you know, three and a half more months, potentially franchise altering. But those are the stakes for Philly right now. I mean, it's a huge, huge decision for a team that we know needs, whether it's, you know, most likely a wide receiver, potentially some offensive line help, anybody on defense. Like, it's a legit, potentially franchise altering decision for them at pick six. What do you think about Michael Parsons? A lot of people are up in there. They don't know if he's a – um, a franchise type player. They don't know if he's a he's a once in a lifetime player to take there at six. Do you take Micah Parsons? Is he high on your draft board? Yeah, it's crazy to think. So the hardest part with Micah Parsons is just that he didn't play this year. Exactly. I'm sure most people know this, but those who don't, Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons who opted out of the season, like many college players did. I don't know how that's going to impact guys in the draft because, like, I wonder if Jamar Chase for LSU had played this year. Will the Devontae Smith hype be where it is? <clears throat> you know, Devontae Smith played a much better offense, but, you know, last year, Jamar Chase was like the player that Devontae Smith is this year. Not quite at that level. And I was, didn't win the Heisman, but he was unbelievable. Like some of the records that Devontae is breaking this year are Chase or Jamar's one year old records. Um, but with Michael Parsons, like, I, if, if last year he entered the draft and he was a top five pick, and then this year, without doing anything, you would think, to either diminish or improve his stock, he goes 12. Does that mean the teams were just like, they overthought it? Um, based off what we saw last year and the year before, Micah Parsons is legitimately a Pro Bowl level player early in his career, has that kind of ability. He would be basically everything the Eagles could want and need, whether you play him an outside linebacker, inside linebacker, probably outside linebacker. Uh, defensive end it doesn't matter get whatever you need obviously the Eagles are going to have some defensive ships with uh, Jim Schwartz not being back next year amongst other things yeah I mean he's the real deal and the fact that it's a Penn State guy I'm sure does nothing at all to dissuade Eagles fans from wanting him right I would imagine every Eagles fan wants as many guys from Penn State as they can get see see you saying all that glowing (laughs) remarks about (laughs) Michael Parsons this man Billy has been on tables tables ladder and chairs (laughs) Talking about, yo, we better get Devontae Smith, wide receiver this, wide receiver that. Now he finna walk around talking about, yo, Michael Parsons gonna be a pro bowler, fam. And like, this is this is what you're gonna mean. Because he's already walking around <laughs> dancing about his Sixers, because they got the best record in the league. Yeah. That, but that schedule, though. It? Do you believe that the Sixers can be that team in the East, because to me, they look like the best team in the East right now. Yeah. I know they've been the most consistent. Yeah, I know yeah. KD's back. I know the yep. 
they, and they, they do play Brooklyn tonight, so this this is a big test for them tonight. I was gonna say this is like probably the second or maybe the first second big test for for the Sixers so far, right? Because and I'm not sure. Obviously, the the Nets without KD makes it a lot different of a test because he's out for another few days because of COVID protocols. So on the one hand, the Sixers haven't played anybody this year, right? They played a very light schedule. They played like you know they've gotten the teams more of the caliber of like the Cavs and the Pistons and the Wizards, as opposed to some of the presumptive heavyweights in the East, whether it's the Celtics, whether it's the Magic who played well, the Heat who have struggled, but still they're a good team, the Bucks, et cetera. But you can't sit there and tell me, so two things. One, a lot of good teams have had really weird games. Like the Clippers lost, or were down by 50 at halftime. The Pistons have one win this year. It was over the Celtics. Celtics are a good team, we believe. And two, the, the Sixers do look nice on offense. Like, Joel Embiid looks ridiculous, which he always should, but it's not ever consistent enough. Seth Curry, like, sometimes the obvious things are obvious, and it was clear he was going to make a mark on this offense. And Tobias Harris, maybe it's that we're a year removed from all the Tobias Harris contract hate. He's still not worth $35 million a year, but at least he's not, you know, like lighting the basketball on fire in position and throwing into the stands. Like at least he's provided you some value so far. That bull Billy has been talking filthy about Tobias. And My- what I'm trying to tell him is listen, don't listen to the money. It is okay, but him flirting around with 20, 18, 20 a game. It's going to look completely different with shooters all on the floor around and be because we both know, even though the first shot from Philly for the season when it started was a Ben Simmons jumper, he ain't finna make them or take them no time soon. So the, the spacing is different. And I think a big key to it is Doc Rivers reuniting with Tobias Harris and Billy hates it. I don't but hate it. it. But at least like you're like, for now, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Like, you can't – I would imagine you probably can't trade him right now. And on the money part, like, no doubt it's a bad contract. And it's going to hamper them in future years, I would think, in terms of making some moves. But you have Darren Morey now. And also, like, you know, it's a lot of money. But, like, for right now, would you – you know, it, it, the, the alternative is him being what he was last year, where he couldn't – you know, he couldn't shoot the ball into the ocean and seemed like he had broken confidence, right? So, at least for now, you've got – a semi-passable version of Tobias Harris. Well, to be honest, this is what I've been asking for. Like last year was just so frustrating because he had the bad contract and then he also wasn't producing. Like that's the one thing about Philly fans. Like if you get paid, we just ask you to play like the contract that you were given. And when you don't, when you don't, exactly. When you don't play up to that, it's frustrating because we know that the organization believes that you can play at that level. And then when you don't, it feels like it's a disrespect to us because we pay a lot of money to watch you do what you do. So all we're asking is for you to do what you do. That's it. Yeah. Hey, you know, Philly fans are, uh, you know, they're nothing if not passionate. Right. And I would take a passionate Philly fan base over one that's agnostic and just sort of like turns a blind eye. Like I, I will be really interested to see just to quickly a mention, like an NFL thing is like, so LA is still sort of finding its way as an NFL market. Right. Mm-hmm. Once we can get fans back in the stadium, like what does Justin Herbert do to Chargers fan? Like they, they actually had some good fans in San Diego, 
But in LA, like, does this become like you got Justin Herbert? Like, he kind of looks like the dude right now. Like, I would love to root for that guy for the next 10 years. Can they get on board? Because I prefer, even if it's a riled up and at times frustrated Philly fan base, I prefer that than Justin Herbert, you know, an you know, fan base that right now doesn't seem to really have sort of a lot of passion to it with the, uh, with the Chargers. Now, see, it's funny because, like, a lot of Philly fans know how to talk themselves into or out of things that they like. Of course. Philly does that all the time. It's, it's, it's a fan, though, right? He, he does it all the time. He's like, oh, you know, I hate Tobias Harris. He comes down and gets two dunks. I'm in. I'm Philly, I pay that man. You know, they, they draft Tyrese Maxey. Yo, I don't know about this dude, man. I don't know about him. He get a couple still. He's in the passing lanes. He's got a couple assists and a layup <laughs> now with the left. And now Billy's talking about he's going to be rookie of the year. And, it's crazy. <laughs> and like we've seen these overreactions and underreactions, if that's even a thing. And like it is. prior to maybe I say what, maybe three or four days ago, the entire Twitter world was turning Steph Curry into Marcus Stokes. I know. From, from Fresh Prince. He heard all the talking. He comes in, drops 62. And it's like, why why does Steph Curry get the hate that he does? Is it I have theory on this. Is it is it because he's he was the 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 opposite, the the, the guy who was against LeBron James so much at the, yeah. at the height of his thing? Like, is that what it is? Because the man's shooting 60 from three right now. Yeah, so he stepped into the league as like this sort of plucky, like almost like uh sort of like mighty mouse story right which is funny because when you see steph on the nba court he looks tiny but then like when you if you were ever cross him he's like six four which yeah. when i walk by like cousin yates who's like tall dude i'm like that guy's a big dude um but hey, that big. I would, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> i feel like i'm six eight on some days man that's right um but so Steph comes in as like this plucky underdog. Everybody loves him. He's this like, I can root for this guy, the guy that looks kind of like me, right? Like I can shoot a basketball. You know, I, I he again, he's not actually like you, but he may look like you and he's 6'4 versus a bunch of 6'10 guys. And you're like, oh, it's like me playing hoops at the Y. Um, and then he just like, he rose and rose and rose. And then once KD, once they started to get really good, and then once KD signed with the Warriors, it changed everything for those guys it changed the likability, right? Because it was like, hey, you already won one without him. And for KD, you had never won one, period. And you go into the Warriors of all teams? Like, come on. Like, there's so many other places you could have gone. And there are people that like the idea of players staying where they are. Obviously, KD would have stayed, stayed in OKC. Would have been an unbelievable story like Giannis is right now in Milwaukee. I think what happened was, like, the team became a lot less sort of like everybody roots for us and a lot more villainous. And Steph was the face of that team. And it's not like Steph ever did anything wrong. The guy's like the most wholesome person alive. And people just don't like him anymore, right? Like, it's like now that same shooting routine before the game that everybody used to watch and retweet every five minutes is like, oh, that's so lame. Like, look at Steph showing off. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, just enjoy Steph. The dude is maybe possibly the greatest shooter of all time. Like, let's enjoy that. Hey, man, I feel you on that. Now, to go to piggyback off that a little bit to talk about let's just enjoy that player and enjoy his talent. We got to talk to you about Kyrie because oh, your cousin Gates, 
Your cousin Yates loves Kyrie. Everything Kyrie. Hashtag, hashtag it. Be more like Kyrie. Do it. Okay. Okay. So pro Kyrie. So what are your feelings on Kyrie, the world's flag, burning sage, all of that? Yeah. So he's, he's the guy who's one of the more fascinating guys in sports right now. So one ridiculous talent, like growing up in Boston, I've seen some talented players on the Celtics, but recently probably the most talented offensive player the last 15, 20 years. And I know Paul Pierce has been there and it may be that Jason Tatum gets there one day. He's close, right? I mean, Tatum's obviously absurd, but Kyrie ball on a string, shot creation, step back threes, you name it, lethal. But we were talking about, you know, saying earlier, Billy, about how, like, once you get that contract, you just want the athlete to perform like the contract suggests he should perform. Mm -hmm. Kyrie is a personality just is so different. And it felt like he couldn't decide which side of the argument he wanted to be on from one day to the next, right? Like, one day he wants to be the leader. I mean, he literally had a commercial with his jersey in the rafters, right? <laughs> he did. Hey, I'll be there if, if you have me back. I'll sign the extension with you, meaning the Celtics, if you'll have me back when addressing the fans. And then it became clear months before his contract expired that he was so far out. Like, come on. So this is nothing more than just being a sports fan to sometimes be like, come on, Kyrie, you know? Um, I'm sure you guys saw Charles. Was, was that on KJZ when Charles told him to just stop it? That was. You know what's crazy? He dropped that. He dropped that little game <laughs> on KJZ. It started floating around. We ain't get no credit for it. No tag or anything. But it's whatever. But like, you know, like that's I, the felt, I felt what Charles was saying. I didn't. I didn't agree with all of it because it felt kind of like shut up and playish to me. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. But by the way, what, the, what, what happened was you actually, you guys did get credit. What, what happened though is that other outlets, and this we're doing this on video, they'd have a, you know, a, a block about this big. And then the bottom corner, it would say like via, not even KJZ, ESPN radio in like, yeah. you know, yeah. like two size font. Meanwhile, the rest of it, it's like, come on now, you know, it just doesn't know good, right? Like it's not that hard to just give it credit where it's due, right? <laughs> it's not that hard. People just make it out to be much harder than it has to be. So there's probably somewhere in between, right? Is that like Kyrie, sometimes it feels like Kyrie, I know he's very smart. It feels like sometimes he's trying to be calculated by design and he's saying things that he knows are just going to piss all of us off. <laughs> I just think he's very fluid thinking, to be honest. Like that's just how I feel like Kyrie is. I think he's a very fluid thinker and he's very in tune with his emotions. And when you're dealing with somebody like that, um, it can seem as though they're erratic or if they um, or flip floppy, but they're really just letting you know how they feel in the moment. And like that's yeah. what people aren't used to. Like people aren't used to people like just expressing how they actually feel and going through the natural form of emotion. And so when you see that um, on TV and when, when it's just broadcast to the world, it's kind of like, why are you doing that for everybody else? Like that should be an internal thing. But it, Kyrie doesn't care because Kyrie is who he is unapologetic. It's funny. It's funny because like I look at Jalen Brown as someone who is like Kyrie. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. my, 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 my
Jalen Brown is one of those, you know, free thinkers or, or sure. forward thinkers, if you will. And, um, you know, but sports are filled with fine lines, right? Because, you know, as, as, as I, I already mentioned, I'm from Boston and there are people that believe, you know, James Harden rumor has been floating around with, should they trade Jalen Brown? And there are people that have said essentially that like, a, you shouldn't trade Jalen Brown for him because Jalen Brown's 24 and a problem for defenses right now. The guy's averaging 27 plus <laughs> points per game. He's ridiculous, right? Also, that like he has a chance to be as influential as any athlete in Boston in a long time. Like to your point about like his the way he's been outspoken and the way he's been such an incredible voice for those that don't have a voice is like indisputable over the past year. Um and the guy, I mean, he's like spending his off time at like Harvard when we're not in a COVID world, like, you know, educating himself and helping others to become more educated too. Such an interesting person. There's a fine line though, right? Because it's like, to your point, you know, you go from the educated forward thinker or you become the person that's like too erratic and outside the box like Kyrie. There's a fine line between those two things. There's a lot of fine lines in sports though. Yeah, there's a lot of fine lines in sports. I have in life, in life, in life, for yep. sure. What do you, what does a off day for you look like? Like, what what's in your Netflix queue? Like, are we, yeah. are we sitting there? Are we chilling, watching? Like, yo, Fresh Prince, we can binge it today. Like, are, are yep. we? What, what's your what, what's your top five bingeable things right now? Okay, so Queen's Gambit is almost done for me. Not that it's a super long series, but six six. Fire. Yep, it's good. Really, fine. yep. Um, that was awesome. That was really good. So I recently moved to Connecticut, as you guys know, but the world may not know. And one thing that I've loved is that while you don't get MSG, uh, you don't get the the Knicks. Knicks are on MSG, and then the Nets are on Yes. Or maybe I have yeah. it reversed. But anyway, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's right. You get you get Nets home games, and you get Celtics home games here. So you got two sets of basketball games. And obviously with basketball starting up recently, I have every night almost a guarantee of a game plus NBA TV and TNT and obviously our ESPN package. So a lot of hoops recently. Queens game has been good. And then this is, um, it's not new, but one thing that we've been doing a lot of recently, my wife and I, Survivor, which don't sleep on Survivor. There are shows live. No, no, that was a bad pun, but no pun intended. You guys remember when the Bucks with John Gruden won the Super Bowl? Keyshawn, you can ask Keyshawn about this on Monday or Friday, whatever day tomorrow is. Whatever um, day you want it to be. Yeah, that's they right. Run, they all run They're together. All the that was when Survivor started. That show started that night. That was the, really? the Super Bowl was the lead into Survivor. Like it, it's been almost 20 years. And I'm like, any show that survives for 20 years, I keep saying survive. Any show that makes it for 20 years is good. It is so pointless. And, but you know, some of these days, like you're watching TV for a long time, right. And you're like, I need my brain to, to, to turn off and not think about, you know, much more important things that are happening in the world survivor. And there's like 40 seasons. So you will yeah, never I, I, finish. I, I was going to say which season you were in, but we're on 21. Now we haven't been watching them all, but we've been bouncing around. 21 is right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many seasons of Survivor that you can go on Google and search what are the best seasons of Survivor. And there's like 20 pieces that have like a power rankings of them. So we went and found like, what's the best season of Survivor? 21 for some reason was the best or one of the best. And so 21 it is. That's crazy. 
That's yeah. nuts. I know you. So I know you are a very like private guy. You don't like to talk about your family and stuff like that. But for people who don't know you, want to just tap in just a little bit about who you are. What is something that you normally don't share? You normally don't talk about. You know, people don't normally know about you. What is that? Like, let it, let us in a little bit. Okay, so the basketball hates pleasure. Is there that we go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, the the basketball side is something that I tap into that I, I, I wish got, actually I wish for professional reasons, I got got more more life, uh, more run at ESPN, but that'll come, that time will come. You'll see me on, me and Jalen Rose on NBA Countdown one day or something. <laughs> uh, we gotta get right. it set up. That's Please right, and Jay, yeah. Yeah, I gotta start, I gotta start calling in to KJ and Z when I have to take a, pick a bone <laughs> with, with, uh, with Jay Will. Although I will say, well, I laughed a couple of days ago when they didn't know the song Bang. Yeah, I was no, like, I, you don't know Bang? I'm like, dude, Zoom, uh, Key is like, this is a this is a beer drinking song. I'm like, dude, bang. This song's like on the radio every five minutes. Like, how have you never heard this? Which was hilarious. Uh, I'm fortunate to get along with one of those guys. At least I think I get along with them. They may not like me. I'm trying to think of something that I don't, that, that people don't know as much about here. So, um, God, if, you know, it's weird. It's like over the past, because we haven't been able to do anything for the past 10 months. Like, it's not, I'm like, what have I done recently? And I'm like, not much, not much at all. So um, trying to think, is there like a sport that I play? Like, I'm not like a, I don't have like, I can't, I'm not like a juggler or like a magician or like, a, you know, I'm not like a painter who has, you know, like Mina Kimes does like her Etch-a-Sketch thing. That like, yeah, she's good at that. I seen, yeah, yeah, I did see that. I did yeah. see that. I, see that. Like, I just want to grab one and shake it and see what she does. I know, right? <laughs> uh, like, I, I just don't get out, like, I wouldn't even know where to start on some of those things. Here's my big goal. This is my goal for this year is that, so we moved recently and have more space than we used to have. And at the beginning of this, I was like, you know, when we need, we need something to get done, there was a lot of, Hey, you know, who do you call to get that done? Who do you call to get that done? I'm trying to become Tim Allen 2.0 is what I'm trying to become. I'm trying to become Connecticut's handyman right now. That's been my goal over the past month. Like I will do, like I, I will install, like I've, I mean, I'm telling you, like this stuff. I built a bed frame a couple of days ago, and I celebrated like I just won the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a little bit pathetic, but uh, you know, trying to have fewer people in the house right now, trying to be you know, a little more cost efficient, and uh, I also just sort of feel like a waste when I call someone to like do something that like I'm like I don't think I'm physically capable of doing this, and they come and like five minutes later they're like, all right, all set. Anything else? And I'm like, it took you five minutes? What right. the heck, man? Yeah, like, well like attack on your manhood. It's like, damn. Yeah, it really is. It really why is. Why am I here, baby? Why am I here? Why am I here? Seriously. <laughs> so, do you, do you guys know? Uh, you guys know Gary Streisky from ESPN. He does yeah, sports and Snapchat. Gary's actually oh, yeah, on yeah, yeah. basketball team. Oh, there you go. Really? He's on our interim world basketball team. Yeah. Can he hoop it all or no? Yeah, he can hoop. It. You know, he can hit a little J. Okay. Get, get I believe it. People. Is there somebody at ESPN that's just like really good at basketball that you'd have no idea? Um, they are, but I don't really know their names like that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. You know, like Tim Kirchin is supposedly, or back in the day, everybody's I've like Tim. Heard this yeah, story I have that heard that. Like yeah, Tim Kirchin slash Iverson, Tim Iverson. Yeah, type stuff. Tim so Iverson. I, yeah, I need to see him do that. I need to see like Buster too. Olney or somebody. I know. Yeah, that, that would be quite the matchup. Um, but Gary is like Mr. Handyman. He's like Mr. DIY. So. I see Gary's TikToks and I'm like, if this guy can do it, I can do it too. So I need, I'm taking inspiration from Gary. And, uh, but last thought is that, so Tim Kirchin, sneaky ESPN, NBA baller, 
sneaky NFL baller. You guys probably already seen this, but if you haven't, Google Josh McCown and like playing basketball. I've Josh seen McCown, this. who like who really? played, I think it was Jameis Winston or maybe or maybe it was Mike Evans' uh, charity classic a few years ago. And it's like this dude just comes out and like thunderdunks, and you're like, that's Josh McCown. Man, get the fuck out of here, man. You I got to see that. I'm telling you, it's real. It's slamming. Like, he's AI 96 and Jays, the whole nine, bro. No, come swear, on, man. man. Y'all play with me right now. No, no, you got to see it. It's, it's all, it's somewhere on the YouTube. You'll, you'll find it. It won't take you long. Like it's, hey. it's, it, it, that one, that one snuck up on me. I was like, Josh McCown, really? Literally. <laughs> that's that's going to be Literally. my reaction. You got to see so. it. Now, now, I got one question for you before we get into this thing we call the yay segment, which is basically okay. us getting something off our chest, you know, that's been bugging you, that you've seen, you don't got an outlet for, you can put it out there. But before okay. we get to that, have you watched Snowfall? No, I haven't seen Snowfall. I need you to get on that. Okay, what what was it on, Netflix? It's on Hulu. FX and Hulu. Okay, I got it, tonight. The new season's coming in February. I believe it's the 24th fourth or so so you you got to get up on that i gotta catch it myself for real for real yeah snowfall okay snowfall he's a slacker with that he's a slacker with that but you a slacker too bro i'll be trying to tell you to watch certain stuff and you be slacking off you gotta grow up i've been having calls all day i'm tired now he's busy (laughs) he thinks he's phil yates see 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 well it's cousin yates it's all relative when they say rush hour hour, they bred us (laughs) (laughs) greatest movie (laughs) Rich out, but before we begin, Rush Hour, the takes on Rush Hour, the outtakes of Rush Hour are some of the most legendary and classic things. We try to count and um, quote those as much as possible. What do you so think you got, good. Chelsea Clinton? Who do you think you can't Is it Kelsey, Kelsey or Kelsey? <laughs> Kelsey. So, Come back and watch that too. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Now, we're going to get to the yay segment now, and it's... um probably the most obvious one that we have done since we've launched the pod yeah especially on the heels of what we saw yesterday and how crazy it was okay you know the the (laughs) capitol hill was pretty much ransacked yeah and the whole sporting world was watching the whole world was watching People who don't even like America were watching. Where were you when you when when it when they first got into the Capitol? So I was driving home from the DMV, which I had to go to. Which you, you guys know, as it is, the DMV is hard to get into. But during COVID, you got to book appointments, and you're doing it like weeks out. So this wasn't like. I didn't, you know, even if it had started 20 minutes before I left, I couldn't be like, you know what? I'll postpone till tomorrow. Like you're either going or you may not get back in there for months. And I go there and during the DMV, like, first of all, where I was at, uh, as you guys know, it was cold yesterday. Like you're outside. It was cold. I'm like, I didn't want to look at my phone. It's too damn cold to be taking my phone out and sitting there. And then you get into the DMV. And once you get to the counter, it's still like, it's not like you get there and like you pay, you know, it's like not like going to the grocery store. You're in and out in two minutes. It's like a whole process there. But then I get home and I'm just like, oh man, um, didn't really have the words to be honest with you. And there's always a fine line um, in terms of like, what can I add to the conversation? Is it appropriate for me to add something to the conversation? Does it do anything to help to add to the conversation? 
Yesterday, I couldn't even process what I wanted to say because I was too busy watching it all and taking it all in and not really being able to sort of comprehend what I was seeing. You know what I mean? And it's, it's crazy because like I'm watching it at home and I'm leaving work as Billy is going in. Yep. Now, Billy interned and pretty much was almost working at the Capitol prior to coming to ESPN. Oh, man. So I'm sitting here and I hit, I hit Billy up and I'm like, bro, they inside. And he's like, inside what? Like, he's thinking I'm coming back into work. And I yeah. tell him, and I tell him, I'm like, no, bro, like, they breached the Capitol. They are inside the Capitol. And, and like, he responded to me and talked about, ain't no damn way in the Capitol, man. That thing is uber secure. Security everywhere. Cops yeah. the whole time. Like that, that was the wildest part for me watching it unfold is because I've been like inside the Capitol. I know the procedures that it takes for you to be able to visit the Capitol and go inside of that building. And the fact that they were just so easily and gracefully able to go in and out unharmed with the amount of security that I know is there. Like people are talking about, it's so easy to, to bum rush a few um, security guards. We're not talking about Paul Blart here. Like <laughs> these are act, these are like trained professional security guards where there are multiple, multiple security stations that are located around the building with at least 10 or 12 guards. So this isn't something that you can just easily bum rush. And I know there was a multitude of people, but it was just, I'm just at work. It's hard for me to even pay attention to what I'm doing at work because I'm watching what's unfolding on CNN. And I'm like, that's insane. And then on top of that, I know damn well that if it's people who look like me who are doing the same thing, there's no way in hell any of them are leaving untouched or not in handcuffs. There was only 14 people in the Capitol who were arrested. There was yeah. more people arrested for parades, a happy, joyful moment than the moment that happened yesterday. Like that's the, that's the hardest thing to really fathom about what happened yesterday. Yeah, that's the part where like as a white man, I'm sitting to myself like, what can I add to the conversation? Like I haven't lived, not much less, I'm 33, 33 years. I haven't lived one day in your shoes, or I guess in your skin, right? Like I wouldn't know what it would be like to be oppressed based solely off of the color of my skin. So that's the part that, um, you know, as you're sitting there trying to compartmentalize, like, what's my role? What's my platform? What's my voice? You're like, you know what? Like I sit there yesterday and it's more like you just hurt through the words of people, no matter what their level of platform are, who are feeling exactly what you described, Billy, because it's hard not to think exactly, even if you're not, even as, as a white man, it's hard not to think about what the dynamic might look like if we had a different set of circumstances, Is if it was a large group of black men or women or both who tried to storm the Capitol. That, it's a hard thing to, uh, you know, this country has had a, I was gonna say a difficult year, you know, 12 months, if you wanna bring it back to last year in a lot of ways. And uh, yesterday, I think what became clear was that, you know, this wasn't like a partisan thing, right? It wasn't Democrat or Republican who was, you know, taken aback by what happened. You heard some of the most powerful voices in the Republican Party, Democratic Party, expressing their frustrations and uh, disappointment and sadness over what took place. And uh, it was a dark day. There's been a lot of dark days over the past 12 months. 
yesterday is one of those that's going to be difficult to, to look past and never forget. Like, like to me, like I, I was watching the whole situation unfold. And the first thing I'm thinking about is like, this is like one of the biggest black eyes on the face of America, which is already bruised beyond belief because of all the previous things that we've seen. We've saw, we actually saw a protest towards the Capitol be met with the National Guard and a multitude of other types of law enforcement. We didn't see yeah. that yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we saw, it, people, it was... we saw people in there having fun. It looked like not at a museum in that room. They come out, they, they had the opportunity to come out, go home and talk about what they've done. And it's just, it's something that's so alarming to me because it makes America look easily, it looks like you can do whatever to America. Like that's supposed to be a secure place. <laughs> well, as we were talking about before we started recording, it was like, if that was a movie, you'd say like, this movie is not realistic. No. And then it was real life. And you're like, wait, you see, really, more, you see more security in the movies than you did yesterday. Yeah. Like, where's Gerald Butler and everybody at? Like, I'm in, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to pop out. Like, ah, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just playing around. It's this, you know, this, this is a simulation. That was real life yesterday. And who knows what happens <laughs> moving forward, man. I say, where we go next, I have no idea, but we are at a, uh, I'm not sure what the exact description of it, but I was gonna say important time, which would be totally underselling it, but we are at a critical juncture for our country right now. Yeah, man, it's, uh, I guess, I guess that'll be to be determined on what the hell happens moving forward. <laughs> for sure. But, um, yeah, I just wanna, I wanna thank you, Cousin Yates, for jumping on here, man. Blessing us with your presence. We do it again sometime soon. That's the only part of this that I must say. We do it again at some point. Oh, yeah. Maybe sure. when we can do it safely, we can go break bread and just bring a bring a computer with us somewhere and we can do it all together in the company of friends. That's what hey, I like man, as, as long as we are, uh, <laughs> I guess we're going to need masks because who knows when that's going to happen. But <laughs> I was going to say, once we can do it safely, we're in. We that's TBT do too, but uh, that could yeah, be 2022. We'll do it. We'll, we'll <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we'll be around, man. Appreciate you though jumping on this joint. And um, as we get out of here, I just gotta hit a ha ha yeah, ha ha yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Is this not why you are here? Fuck this. Man.